Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Lowell Rickliffs, a SaaS veteran with experience selling and buying more than 30 businesses. He is the founder of Traction Advertising, which specializes in helping B2B SaaS companies with $5 million plus in ARR get acquired. Lowell, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Seth. Good to be here. Appreciate it. Let's go back in time a little bit. You've got quite a bit of experience. How'd you get started? Uh, kind of the uh, accidental banker. Um, I mean, computer science, electrical engineering, took a technical sales route, four to 500 company, was a part of three tech companies that scaled one, like a million to 50 million. One went from 10 to 120. Uh, another was a co-founder. And along the way, acquired about a dozen companies. Didn't like the way that traditional bankers ran the process. Didn't feel like they added a lot of value. When it came time to sell a company that I'd co-founded, I thought there was a better way to do it, leveraging classic enterprise selling techniques. And we were successful, helped out an investor with another opportunity and decided there was an opportunity out there to, to do that, to help small B2B SaaS companies to get acquired, run a better process, get a better value, better fit. That makes a lot of sense. Let's dive into that a little deeper. So who is an ideal, because not every SaaS company um, is an ideal client for you. How do you determine who's a good fit for your process? Um, it starts with size. Typically, 5 to $10 million in ARR is, is kind of the sweet spot. Uh, B2B SaaS is kind of our core. We do some B2C. Uh, we've done a couple marketplaces. We do some deals that, that are larger in ARR. We do some that are a little bit smaller. But that's kind of where it starts. Um, typically, our, our break-even or better. We don't do a lot of companies that, that burn cash. They're typically linear growth companies, companies with exponential growth. Um, I would advise them not to sell because it will be worth more sooner than later. So that's probably the simplest metric. Okay. And what are some of the biggest mistakes, most common mistakes those companies are making? You know, in some ways I look at it, you know, if you're going to sell your house, you know, it's a good idea to, to paint it, right? Change the carpet. They're, they're, they're just basics that people should do. There are things that, you know, metrics matter a lot. And a lot of times people, um, you know, kill themselves to build their business to where it is. And there are little things that they can do to improve the metrics without a lot of effort. So one example would be uh, their churn metrics, their logo churn metrics. Um, I advise some people, you know, when you're trying to grow a business, you'll sign up anyone and everyone. Like, who cares? If they leave, you, you want them to stay. But if they leave, it doesn't matter. And you were, when you're selling your company, those metrics do matter. So 
you know, if you've got a trial period, if they haven't truly signed up for a long-term subscription, they shouldn't count in your metrics. And in the in the big publicly traded SaaS companies are very savvy about those metrics. They're very careful about who they count and who they don't count on the front end. So that's probably the biggest one. Yeah, that's where I'd start. That makes a lot of sense. Now, what is your favorite part of the job? My favorite part of the job, we have a we've got a pretty high bar. I mean, at this point, we we you know we'll we'll do you know three four five deals a year, but we're we're selective about who we work with. A part of it is we like we like to help people. Like genuinely, I mean, we we get paid, and you know when we do good, we get paid well. But but a big part of the motivation is to help entrepreneurs. I can relate to what they've been through. Help them reach a successful event in in their life, and it's a stressful journey for them to go through. So we don't want to go through it with everyone, right? And and everyone doesn't want to go through it with us. So it's a matter about finding the right fit. But so beyond that, it's really learning a lot about different, a lot of these are vertical niche companies. Um, and it's fascinating to me what niches exist out there where someone identified a problem, came up with a solution and got really, really good, has deep, deep domain expertise in something that I didn't even know existed. So I get to become a quasi quote unquote expert in a matter of a couple of months, uh, get to know them well, their journey, kind of what they created and then find the right fit. So that strategic part about what the right fit is. Um, I put myself in the shoes of the buyer, like, why would I buy this company? What's the fit? Really get to think that all through. Um, but I don't have to own that, right? I mean, they, 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 I used to do that for 25 years. And then finding the right fit, being the matchmaker. But really, the, the, the intellectual curiosity of learning about these new and interesting and unique businesses that continue to pop up um, almost every week. How do you find the buyers that end up acquiring the companies? Uh, so we do some pretty extensive research. They really break down into two different categories, almost two and a half. So on the strategic side, we've got a pretty extensive network of, of people that we know, but because these are unique niches and sometimes 40% of the buyers that we find have either never bought a company before or have only bought one. So again, classic bankers work with the, the repeat buyers. So they don't know those people that haven't bought just because they haven't bought companies before. So that's a big part of it. We do some pretty extensive research. Uh, we, we look a lot through different associations. Sometimes there's guidance from the, um, the seller themselves, but we've got access to some pretty good data. And then, like I said, we, we put ourselves in the position, we'll create segments of why would I buy this company as a product extension, geographic extension. And then on the, uh, the financial side, the companies that we buy are typically added on to platform companies that, that are PE backed. So those are a PE back strategic, it's a real company. It's like a strategic, but they've got, you know, dad's got a checkbook, the private equity firm, and they're actively and aggressively looking to add on new companies. And their job is to, is to, is to buy more companies. So we, we know the, the, the SaaS buyers well on the private equity side and then the platforms that they work with. Now, if you're only doing a handful of companies a year, obviously you're really, really selective. How do the companies themselves that want to get acquired, how do they find you? A lot of it is word of mouth. So in the SaaS, uh, particularly like the B2B SaaS area, um, we've got some recognition. We've been at this for six years, but particularly when we've had success, we, we work hard to make our, our, our clients really happy and they tend to spread the word. So they're, they're our biggest advocates that, that people will reach out to them when a deal closes and if they're thinking they say you should talk to these guys. Uh, that's a part of it. We do have a, uh, a very inconsistent newsletter that we send out periodically. And, um, and I do a lot of mentoring. Like I said, I just, I, I enjoy working with startups. So I, I worked on 
helping out a, a startup that has like almost no revenue this morning, um, help them with their pitch deck. Uh, just it's fun to do. So do a lot of volunteer work in the large part of what we do is just for free gratis work with, for mentors, just trying to help people be successful. You've had so much success, not only in your own career, but also for your clients. What's your biggest challenge now? <laughs> um, well, this sounds area. I mean, saying no, I mean, right now I, I get excited when I meet a new entrepreneur and, and they're in an interesting space and it just looks like a fun project, but just making sure we don't take on too much. I spent most of my career scaling companies. I'm just wired that way. If we can do it once, how do we do it 10 times? How do we do it a hundred? How do we do a thousand? How do we do global domination? How do we touch every single potential buyer that's out there? Um, and now it's a matter of, um, I've got a business partner in London and, and our hands are both pretty full right now. And, and my goal is not to scale up the company. We don't want to do a hundred deals a year. We, we like being hands-on and kind of going through the journey with people. So, uh, you know, saying no, just kind of feel badly sometimes because you like people, but, but just not to overload ourselves. Um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. If you were going to do it over again, if you're going to start, if you had to start over, um, what would you do differently? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it worked out pretty well. I found out, you know, I, I think that uh, historically bankers were, you, you, you know, I, say, I asked the question why any tech exec, I'd say, would you ever put your CFO in charge of sales and marketing for your product? They, they just laugh, of course not. And I say, well, then why do you go to a, a, the equivalent to sell your company. And historically, companies had, they had, they had heavy assets. They had work, complicated work and process. Um, you had intercompany transfer you, costs. You had foreign exchange. They were complex financial instruments. So in, in, it's like a bond. And you really had to understand those mechanics to determine the value. SaaS companies are relatively simple financially. And, and so it's really more sales. And in theory, they're infinitely scalable. So the buyer can potentially pay many, many multiples of what someone else might pay because at scale, it's, it's genuinely worth it. So it's SaaS companies, it's 80% selling, it's 20% financials. I'd say traditional companies, it's 80% financial, 20% selling. Uh, we've got the selling part. I guess if I did something, I'd probably team up with a, a, a financial person earlier on. I guess probably the one thing that I would have done. We've outsourced that. It's actually worked out pretty well. Um, but the selling part was a leap of faith, right? We, we said, well, you're not a banker background, um, but we'd acquire companies to do the process. Well, leap of faith, and it worked out arguably better than expected. Well, congratulations on that and all of your other success. For our folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more, where is the best place for us to send them? Uh, you can shoot me an email, uh, Lowell, L-O-W-E-L-L, -L, at onewordtractionadvising.com. Or check us out on our website, www.tractionadvising.com. And um, there's some interesting info on there as well. But always happy to chat with people. Um, worst case, we give some free advice that you're free to use or not use and, uh, and learn more about it. Awesome. Well, I'm sure the longer version of your story and your secrets to success should probably be in a book somewhere. Any plans for that? <laughs> Uh, I, the ideas out there, whether I ever uh, find the focus to sit down and start it or, and or finish it is, is TBD. All right. Well, we know your time is greatly valuable. We immensely appreciate you spending some of it with us. This has been Seth Green with Lowell Rickliffs. Lowell, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Seth. I appreciate it. You are welcome, everyone. Make sure to check out tractionadvising.com. 
Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.